Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast with me, Dr. Joseph Walker. This podcast is designed to offer strategies and moving vision to reality. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, challenged to succeed at the next level. So prepare to be exposed, empowered, and equipped for excellence. Thank you for connecting and allowing this space to become an opportunity for growth and collaborative learning. Now, let's go on this journey together and spark the change we wish to see in ourselves, our teams, and the world. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop. Thanks for that. Bishop Walker, to add to to that, I think it's important because Bishop is exactly right. So we create these methods. One of the things that I said to our team, bring me any idea that you don't believe will be a sustainable model post-COVID-19. I don't want to be on the internet doing six or seven shows and filming this and filming that and being creative. And then the building opens up and then we go right back uh, to the same thing. So I said, whatever we can't sustain, let's not do. Revelations 3.16, we all know that story about you got the hot waters of uh, Heropolis and the cold waters of Colossia. And the Bible talks about how God hates uh, the lukewarmness. And so the idea then is that the hot waters uh, from Heropolis of the people of Rome are trying to pipe that water in to themselves. And by the time the water gets from Heropolis all the way to Rome, it's lukewarm. And so I think that what we have to do is we have to make sure we don't do what they did is create a six mile pipeline where the change loses the steam once we reach this place of being able to come back. So now we've got all of this stuff. We're firing off all of these innovative ideas. We're doing Zoom panel discussions and and we're fighting for it. And DJs are getting online and having 150,000 participants and Babyface and Teddy Riley can get a half a million people to come together and we watch them battle old music. And here we are thinking, oh, we got to create a new sermon every Sunday. Is it possible that the hits still work? And can we give them a rerun? And and can can that stuff still, uh, does it still have steam? So what I'm afraid that we'll do is we'll pipe in these solutions. But once the buildings open, will we, will we lose our steam? Because I think that this is something that we need to get used to because 25 years ago, planes hit the Twin Towers and the United States government has not lost steam on making sure that we still, to this day, have to get x-rayed. We still have to put our liquids in the bag and set them off to the side. And there hasn't been an incident in a quarter of a century. And yet the change is still in effect. So I think that whatever changes we make I think they probably need to become a part of the norm. And I've said to our team, do I ever need to go back to doing the midweek service myself where I got 5,000 people watching now and I'm still on budget and I'm at home? Do I ever need to open the church back on Tuesday? I don't know. I'm going to try it this way, even when the building does open just a few weeks and see, <laughs> see how it goes. So um, I'm the- with you. I'm with you, buddy. <laughs> I won't go back. (laughs) (laughs) Could I just add, because I think it's very, very important. I don't want, though, God's church to become irrelevant. It's very, 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 very important. And I believe that it's all in balance, the things that we do. Uh, I was in Rochester, New York, preaching several months ago, and the driver that picked me up from the airport to take me to the hotel. We passed by a lot of vacant buildings. And uh, he said that that's where 
Kodak used to be. But all of those buildings were closed down. And the reason that he gave, Kodak could not adjust to the digital age. All of those buildings there, empty, but they could not adjust to the digital age. We cannot allow the church to become irrelevant. We've got to make sure that we bring a balance. The Bible says, what do ye more than others? I know what others are doing. What does the church do more than others that others cannot do? And that's win souls to Christ. That's preaching the gospel. That's proclaiming the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What do you more than others? So what we have to do, we have to make sure that we are making people whole. Yes, I believe in going to the next level because when I look at tradition, tradition is nothing but frozen success. We can get stuck in frozen success, looking back on what you did in the past, and you think it has to always be the same. It does not always have to be the same. But we've got to make sure, oh, I still pray, when we talk about uh, the new norm, that we do not become so selfish that we forget the job of the church is still not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You've got to minister to somebody else. It's not just about you. We cannot become selfish people and say, hey, just let me stay home. No, I still have to. There's somebody that will be sitting by me when we get back to church, somebody who's sitting by me that's about to commit suicide. I need to minister to them. I believe that even with the virtual church, the main goal of the virtual church is for the sick. It's for those who are working. It's for those who are watching from out of town. But we still have to have that brick and mortar where we can come together so that people can know what the church is all about. And that's where we got to let them know. We feed the hunger. We close the naked. We're doing what the world is doing. We're doing, we're doing what motivational speakers are doing. But what do you more than others? And that's still, we got to keep it before our people or the church will become irrelevant. The preacher will become irrelevant if we don't realize that our ultimate goal is still to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to win the loss. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just wanted to add that to it because it's all important and some of us will take one half of it and others will take the other half of it, but we got to take all of it if it's really going to work. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bishop Morton. And uh, thank you so much, Bishop Jakes and uh, Pastor Keon. As we wrap this up, and certainly I want to thank all of you for your time. Uh, please allow me just to give you final a final word. Um, and I want to give you an opportunity to just take 60 seconds and give a final thought of something you want to leave with uh, our viewing audience. Uh, folks around the world are hurting, and we let me set this up this way. Uh, many of us on this call, we, you know, we lead congregations and institutions and et cetera, and often people lose sight of the fact that we are human beings, and we are dealing with this as well. We're in this with our people, and many of us have experienced incredible loss. Bishop Morton, we continue to pray for you, the passing of your 
elder brother, and of course, you know, Bishop Jakes, you've had personal loss. I've had loss. My pastor, Dr. Harry Blake, and everyone on here has had some loss in our congregation. And it's, it's been really a different space for all of us. And I think that it's important as we minister through this. Remember, this is really about a grace for a new space. Right? And I want you just to take about 60 seconds. And of course, I'll start with you, Pastor Oliver, and we'll just take it as from there. Everyone just take about 60 seconds and give a final word. Then I'll wrap this up at the end. But just in terms of this grace in this new space and how you are managing this and what would you say to people as they try to navigate through this unprecedented terrain? Thank you again so much, um, Bishop Walker. And uh, just a couple of quick thoughts. You know, one is uh, this experience has forced us to recognize and cherish the greatest commodity that God has given unto us, which is time. And so it is so easy to say it now, you know, once we're you know, sheltered in place. Uh, but the question really becomes, how do we cherish time beyond this? You know, do we still invest the same amount of time with our kids and our spouses? And do we invest the same amount of time that we do in prayer? You know, perhaps, you know, every pastor around the country, prayer life has gone to a whole nother level, you know, with this uh, experience now. But will our level of prayer be at that same level? So I think, again, the greatest um, response we can have is cherishing the time, redeeming the time, um, making a good usage of our time. Because what we do with our time now and how we invest it now is going to determine the return that comes on the other end. Dr. Jenkins. You know, one of the things I heard Bishop Jakes tell me one day was uh, he can reach more people on the movie screen than he in a church building and he's not only said that he's proven it to be true he has reached so many people using uh, movies and technology and I think the thing that the church has failed to do is to use other technologies and methods as Bishop Morton has said to reach a community that's never going to set his foot in a church building and as well as of a preachers that we or how good as we think we are and how good as our music ministries might be some people are never going to enter the church building for whatever reason. Uh, we got to go get them. We got to reach out to them. Yeah, we're going to still do our church thing, but we got to reach outside those walls. Uh, I'm learning the importance of not only preaching, but using stories, telling testimonies to help communicate the gospel to people that God loves them and God cares about them and Jesus died for them. And I would say to these people listening, to all of the, your church leaders and members throughout the, the breadth of who you're reaching, is we have to be creative. Creativity is the deal. We can't keep doing church the way we do it. Bishop Morton said methods change. Bishop Jakes has taught me over these years, you've got to be creative. Uh, on, our, on Easter Sunday, instead of doing something I had planned to do, my young people, here's something else I did. I got my young people involved, and they came up with a creative idea that has been huge so I would just say we got to be creative. We got to work outside of the boundaries. Our church, let me try to shorten this up. Our church is still doing everything that we were doing before. The only thing we don't do is we don't have church service right now. But we're still having our discipleship groups. We're still having our ministry meetings. We're still having our uh, discipleship classes. And we're still doing everything else that we were doing. The only thing we're not doing is having the gathering on Sundays and Tuesday nights. But we're still doing the work of the church. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor Terrence Johnson. Yeah, Bishop, I, I think, um, you know, if I can share with, you know, everyone who's watching, I think 
um, lead today, prepare for tomorrow. I think this is a moment in making certain, kind of what Craig was saying, like stewarding the moment and the power of the pause. God has shut everything down because it's something about climbing and camping, a hiker. And, and, and I think really being a steward of this moment where you're leading yourself, um, I think a lot of times we lead the congregation and neglect self-care. So I think exercising, uh, I think really spending time with your family. Uh, I think I pray, get closer to God and hear from him and uh, walk away. I think Jesus was great at leaving the crowds. And I think we need to get away where we can get revelation because often wisdom came through wilderness in revelation. You know? And so I think those things are very important. And I think also create a cadence where you can make certain you're looking forward to the future and that this moment never hits you again because the next time I'm going to have infrastructure, I'm going to have systems, I'm going to have plan. So that would be my thing. Just lead, lead today. we got to get ready for Sunday, but you got to be ready for tomorrow as well and make certain that you're managing both. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. Pastor Keon. I, um, I often use an acronym. It's called PAC. And any, any time a shift happens in my life, uh, I pack. And the P is preparation. I think that you have to, as Pastor Terrence Johnson just said, you have to prepare. I think the second thing is, is when things around you uh, begin to slow down, I think that's when you have to accelerate. Um, I heard one great mentor say, that whenever you look at what 97% of the population is doing, sometimes you have to do the opposite. That's what separates the top 1% or top 3% away from the bottom 97. And uh, I, I watch National Geographic a lot, and there's always this little uh, depiction of a lizard running across the water. And, and if you watch it in slow motion, even his feet are moving fast in slow motion because he recognizes that in order to overcome this thing he's facing, he has to accelerate because when you are on an unstable thing, being still makes you too heavy. So I think that in this thing of instability, we have to accelerate and we have to, uh, we have to do what we're doing quickly. Then calculate, because I think that th there's gonna be tremendous costs, right? There are gonna be tremendous costs. If people do come back to our buildings, are, are we now going to have to hand out masks uh, at the front doors um, every time we open? And is that the new budget item? Instead of envelopes, are we going to be handing out masks? And so um, I think we're going to have to calculate the cost of being able to do business in the future. And um, it, conversations like this help us do that. And then lastly, increase in knowledge. Dr. Stephanie said it. Uh, she's so right. The misinformation that we as a group, a, a people group have, have uh, received uh, hearing her was a revelation to me. Um, Bishop Jakes has said this a thousand times to make sure that when we have our own personal cause as a group that we stay safe because you can carry it. Um, and so we have to increase in knowledge and we do that by talking to people um, like this panel uh, to give us wisdom. And I think this is a great thing that you've done and uh, hopefully we'll all carry this message out uh, individually and leverage it. Thank you so much, Pastor. Dakari. Yes, again, thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity. Uh, I've learned a lot. I'm so grateful to be a part of this. I'll say this, one, being a millennial, one of the things we do a lot is we watch Netflix and Hulu and all these amazing different streaming services. 
over the couple of weeks, I've been watching a lot of shows and one movie in particular is called The Life of Pi. It's a fascinating movie that I, I really enjoy and I love. It's about a character, a guy who's trying to survive and he's wrestling against this huge, large cat. This cat is trying to take his life. But there was one particular scene in this movie, and this is what my message would be. Uh, this one particular scene where he goes out and he builds some type of canoe or some sort, some type of boat, and it's floating on water. And he gets out there on the water and he's laying on it. But I, I thought this was fascinating. He had a journal while he was out there in the water. And Dr. Oliver, this was interesting to me. As he was sitting out there on the water, he was falling asleep because he was so tired because he was running for his life. But he wrote in his journal, in order for me to stay alive, I have to stay awake. And that's my word for this space. If we're going to stay alive, right, in this new age, in this new space, we got to make sure we stay awake. <laughs> Thank you for that, sir. Uh, Dr. Steph. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Dakari Middlebrooks. That was that was phenomenal. I, I loved it. So I'll just say this: COVID nineteen isn't going anywhere. It's going to be here for a while, and that's our reality. That's our new reality. It will be here until there's a vaccination, and they're not even predicting that a vaccination will be anywhere in sight until early twenty twenty one. So let that sink in, and get used to this. So this is just the beginning of what we're seeing as our new normal. Life will never, ever, ever, ever be the same. Church, gatherings, society will never be the same. Just like someone mentioned earlier in terms of 9-11, our airports, our transportation, it's never been the same. COVID will do the same exact thing to our society, basically change it forever. That's one. Two, you know, as leaders, I think it's so important to make sure that we're not just taking care of our congregants and the people that we shepherd and lead, but that we take care of ourselves. You used to be able to go to your office, go to the church, go to meetings, go to conferences, go to other people's churches, and then come back home as a respite. Now you've allowed your church to move into your house. And being married to a pastor, I have seen that in our very first couple of weeks being sequestered at home take over. And we had to shut that down quickly because otherwise you will find yourself working yourself ragged and you will not be good to anyone, not yourself, not your congregants, not your family. Remembering that your first ministry is to your family, to your home. This is where you're supposed to come get replenished and then go out to fight another day. And then finally, you know, as leaders, again, making sure that you're taking care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally. I know that someone mentioned that, but also recognizing that knowing that things will never be the same, recognize the signs when you begin to mourn the change. Wow. <laughs> because you guys have all, every church leader has spent time and energy and effort building whatever they had before COVID. All is not lost, but now you realize that you have to take the remnants of that and create something else awesome from that. Using this as a jumping board, using this as a platform, right? Wow. Excellent. Whew. 
That's, <laughs> grace. That's grace for, for this new space. Thank you for sharing that. And that piece about reimagining and the grief and working and building up for years. You know, I think about celebrating, you know, we celebrate 28 years in one church and now having to think about what that looks like going forward is, you're right. Thank you for that. So profound. Bishop Paul Morton. I just want to let people know and thank God for this virtual space. This is very, very, very important. But always remember, personality is who people think you are. Character is who you really are. Personality is the perfume, but character is how you really smell. I'm asking in this virtual space that we do not panic. Let's not be selfish people in this hour. Jesus died that we might live. Don't confuse that scripture. I know you need money. I know you need to get back to work. I know you need to get out of the house. I understand all of that. But please understand, Jesus died that we might live. But listen, keep your distance from me six feet because I'm not going to die so you might live. So I want to make that plain. I know you can't see me, but you hear me. Thank you. The one and only, the one and only, Bishop Paul <laughs> Sylvester Boy. Bishop Jakes. Uh, I'm going to deviate. The conversations have been so amazing and so incredible that all I could do is echo the relevance that has already been perpetuated through the amazing comments that have preceded me. Instead, I would like to save my time to express something that's deeply on my heart that is related to, but different from what we have talked about. 9-11 came, the whole world watched. 3,000 people died, some of the most horrific deaths I had ever seen in my lifetime. And there were memorials, and there was mourning, and there were grieving, and there were services. And families had an opportunity to at least have some memories of recognition of their loss. We are approaching 50,000 people dead. A predominant amount of those people are black and brown people. And nothing at all has been said or done to officially memorialize the vast majority of them. And to all of you that mourn and all of you that grieve and all of you that survive but suffer in silence the loss of somebody that you love and all of your places of worship are closed down. And I explained to a Caucasian friend of mine, I said, the reason black funerals last so long is because sometimes our funeral is the only place we get to be important. Now, you have not had that moment, but we know that your loved one is important. And when I heard the stats and recognized the volume of people, I woke up one morning, I started crying. I couldn't stop for hours. And I don't normally do that. I just just lost it. A spirit of grief came over me so strong I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it back. Um, don't ever let anybody tell you that we don't care and that we don't try. And my hope and my prayer is that a moment will come 
that we can acknowledge your mother, your sister, your wife, your child, your friend, uh, because they do matter. And somewhere in some 18-wheeler in a black bag is somebody who gave you life. Somewhere in a refrigerated place where the morgues are full and the morticians are exasperated is your child and your friend. And as spiritual voices to America, we must stop in all of our pandering about saving the economy. I know it's important. Finding a cure, I know it's important, but we must acknowledge that 40,000 Americans are dead in bags without burial or memorial, and many more thousands grieve their loss without ever having that moment to say that what I lost mattered. And as a collection of clergy, I just wanted you to know, we feel your loss, we mourn with you, we pray with you, and hopefully one day, America will stop being busy long enough to acknowledge the value of what you lost. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Bishop Jakes, and to all of you who have shared today, and I pray that those of you who have tuned in today have been inspired. I pray that this has been a conversation that has not only inspired you, but moved you to action and to realize that there are people who care about you and you're not by yourself. And we are challenged and we are charged to be who God has called us uniquely to be in this world. We see the need now for more attention to health disparities and taking care of ourselves and making certain that we absolutely get truth to people in light of all of the erroneous information floating out there in social media space. We are trusted partners and we, the church, must stand up and make certain that we are addressing these issues head on. Issues of food deserts, economic disparities, and working in partnership and not in silo. We also recognize that it is important for us to really move beyond the walls of the church and be at the table of influence. In every community, particularly in the African-American community, there's a street similar to this, a street that has restaurants that will feed you unhealthy. They have liquor stores that will inebriate you, crack houses that will numb you, liquor stores, or they have pharmacies that will medicate you, churches that are content with shouting you without empowering you, payday loans that are exploiting you, and then there are funeral homes ready to bury you. We as the church must rise up and be the light that God has called us to be. And now we have a unique opportunity in this unprecedented moment to be who God has uniquely called us to be. Yes, concerned about the souls and the salvation of our people, but also understanding that that salvation also includes economic equity. It also includes health equity. It also includes awareness and getting our people the resources that they need, that they can have life and have it more abundantly. And it is important to know that every leader, every person gathered on this particular interview panel shares one thing with you. We all have what I believe is critical 
to change happening in our community and our world. Empathy. What you heard in these final remarks came from a place of empathy. We feel you. We hurt because you hurt. And the truth is, we'll get through this together. The same grace that is available for us is available to you. God is our help. And thank you so much for tuning in. This is just the beginning of a series of conversations that will lead us to action. And I want to thank each one of these extraordinary pastors and leaders and thinkers and physicians and thank all of you for giving up your time. And thank you. Continue to share this. Let's let the world know that this conversation happened and giving practical skills and strategies to our community as well as to our church and our leaders. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you is our prayer. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I want you to subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com or whatever podcasts are downloaded. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at josephwalker3. I look forward to connecting with you.